Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, my ruined brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. <laughs> Somebody took my whiskey. Ah, I did. Someone's trying to figure out. <laughs> I, I can know. smell it all over here next to me. It's <laughs> some strong whiskey that Yusef left us. Yeah. 120 proof. It's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. It was nice. I think Pushy Jack took it from you, being the producer that he is. He's worried. Right. He's looking at me. He's like, are you falling asleep? <laughs> Take that man's <laughs> whiskey. <God. laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, already having a great time here. We're down at sunny San Diego. Of course, overcast San Diego. <laughs> yeah. right. uh, Perpetual uh, marine layer down, San Diego. Down for uh, the Craft Brewers Conference, the CBC. And uh, we're enjoying the hospitality of the wonderful new uh, White Labs Yeast Facility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so not only their production facility, but they've got a, a lovely tasting room with, you know, you taste the different kinds of yeasts, you know, how they ferment out different kinds of uh, yep. different uh, direct or beer different beer comparisons, yeah. uh-huh. same work. And a uh, classroom that we're in and just uh, lots of lots of cool stuff. Yeah. I think it should, I don't know if it is already, we have Neva Parker here, she can maybe correct us, um, it should be called White Labs World Headquarters, not Yeast Facility, not anything else. <laughs> World Headquarters. I mean, because it's such Excuse a... Excuse me. It's such a crazy facility with the beautiful tasting room <laughs> and the offices upstairs that you guys have. Uh, Whitey's uh, Whitey's office itself. The, the love den. It's like, it's something the, out of yeah. Mad Men. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's like a liquor cabinet in the corner and... Yeah, I mean, it's real. It, it's world headquarters. We're not doing it justice every time. It's a little crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, really, the ultimate goal is to have a campus, White Labs campus. Wow. I see. Right. Nice. Like right. this whole block. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Brewing Network is working on that. We're slowly <laughs> inching toward the shed next door. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> to actually be there. And as Jamil said, we're down here for the Craft Brewers Conference this week and uh, doing some live broadcasting just today here at Brew Strong. And uh, the CBC is a wonderful event. And speaking of CBC, we actually have the Coronado Brewing Company on the program with us this Thank time, you. too. Sean's here with us today. And Sean, you the brew ma- head brewer over there? Uh, I was the head brewer. You were? Okay. Yeah. So now I, you're well, the janitor. Yeah, something like that. Head brewer is no, the same as janitor. Basically, now I'm the uh, director of brewery operations. So I've got younger bucks brewing the. Uh, uh, boy. The tough work. Good job. Cool. Yeah. You know, <laughs> after uh, ten years of brewing, your back goes out. Yeah. <laughs> those Delegate. Who, those who brew on this level understand when you're getting in the mash tun and the kettle and slapping kegs around. It gets a lot. Yeah. It's yeah. I was already worn out before it got to that point. Jamil's Brewing Company. that. Heretic's one year anniversary is uh, this month. Wow. Congratulations. And, um, he brewed for two weeks before. Yeah, about uh, two nice. weeks. It's all like, <laughs> hey, you know, nice. climbing yeah. in the mash tun, all that stuff. And <laughs> Heck with this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I need to hire another person. <laughs> <Yeah. to> <laughs> <laughs> right. 
so we are here from the White Labs facility, and we're going to talk about, uh, um, you know, one we've been talking about yeast on the Brewing Network for years. Jamil was the first one to come on to the Brewing Network shows and say, you know, you guys just aren't paying enough attention to fermentation um, and, and really help home brewers kind of figure that out. So one thing we're going to talk about today is is learning about yeast and learning about how it really does affect your beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nava Parker uh, is, is, is someone who can really talk to us about that, obviously. How long have you been with White Labs, Nava? Uh, gosh, it's coming up on 10 years now. Is it really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How old is White Labs? 95, since 95. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then you be, so was, yeah. is, is that right out of college for you, Nave? I'm not um, trying to date you. I'm no, just trying almost, to figure out. Yeah, just about. Okay. I thought you were going to ask me how old I was. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm just trying to figure out if you had another career, uh, illustrious career before, before no, this. No, I didn't. But you went to yeah. school for uh, chemistry, I imagine? Biology. Biology. Mm-hmm. And then uh, been in White Labs since? Pretty much ever since. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some of the differences in different types of yeast today, and, and Nave is going to be able to walk us through that. And one of the reasons we wanted to have Coronado on on this particular program is, and I, and I hope you don't mind me saying this. Not at all. You know, the progression of the Coronado uh, beer in San Diego is really something to talk about. Um, Absolutely. Coronado, how long has Coronado been around? Uh, since 96. Since 96. So yeah. really quite a while. Yeah. And, and, and as the San Diego beer scene grew up, um, at, at one point, Coronado, uh, you guys at Coronado right. thought... You know, we need to do some growing up Absolutely, on the beer yeah. side so, too. So basically, when we started, we were using Nottingham dry ale yeast, and uh, for the most part, it was because it was easy to use, yeah, and uh, very clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we—that's all we knew. So basically, we'd pitch our yeast. We never repitched it, never captured it, stored it. Nothing. It was a bag. You ripped it open, you jumped it in, and we were good to go. I see. So, but after. Four or five years uh, of me brewing with Nottingham Ale Yeast uh, and other other fellow brewers in San Diego starting to step their game up and come out with some really unique, different type of beers, we started getting questioned, what about us? And uh, thus, yeah, yeah. we realized that uh, it was time to probably do some changes. Okay. And, uh, so, But I have to admit, I didn't know much about liquid yeast, like none. So mm-hmm. I asked my friend Tom Nickel at O'Brien's, and he gladly helped me. Yeah, get in so, touch with White Labs. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, he came out to uh, CBC, a Cornell Brewing Company, and said, "This is kind of how you do it." And so we asked a lot of questions. Uh, you know, if you pitch from a IPA versus a blonde, are any flavors going to get transferred over? And there was some debate about that, uh, but in his mind, he said, "Absolutely not." Okay. He, he did not feel that uh, pitching from a, a IPA versus a blonde or a pale didn't matter. Flavor did not transfer, so yeah. I said okay, sounds great. So we uh, we said okay, let's get a pitch and see how this works. So we did, and we've never looked back. Okay, yeah. at Heretic, we actually pitch. It, it doesn't matter which beer is coming up, whether it's the cousin Imperial IPA or the Twin, which is the West Coast Red, or the Porter. They go from one to the other to the other. We just whatever is the freshest yeast. I see. Well, see, and that now this is something that uh, a lot of our listeners are, are homebrewers, Sean, and, and right. so this is something that homebrewers really think about because we we'd like to be able to pitch on top of another yeast too, right. but we we worry about that same thing that that you worried about. Well, wh- what about the the flavor exchange? But we've also been 
it, it re- White Labs has done a wonderful job, and certainly in explaining it to us on the Brewing Network, of the importance of liquid yeast and, and what the difference is. But, you know, there was really a time when I, I didn't know the difference, right. and I didn't know why. It, I, I easily could have been you, Sean, with my Nottingham yeast pouring it in there and just kind of thinking, like, well, what's the difference? It's yeast, right? Right. Yeah, no, uh, basically, I didn't have a lot of experience when I started. Okay. So the people who were training me thought this was in the best interest of myself and Coronado Brewing Company to make it easy on myself. Didn't I didn't have to think too much. To just use the dry yeast. You to mean. Open it up, dump it in, I off see. we roll. They're like, How, don't let Sean think too right, much. Exactly. I mean, we're <laughs> going to have a problem there. So basically uh, what we realized is that the Nottingham dry ale yeast – it was a good yeast. I mean, it, it fermented mm-hmm. out well. Uh, our beers were fine. There was no contamination issues. However, okay. we did have a very similar profile to all our beers, mm-hmm. whether it was a blonde, a pale, a half of Eisen, a golden. It was the same yeast. I see. So we heard that a lot. Uh-huh. Your beers are nice, but that's what they are. They're nice. <laughs> There's not a lot of differentiation. Dif- uh, how do you say that? Differentiation. Yeah, differentiation. <laughs> did yeah, you have it. the whiskey so, with uh, Yousef too? Well, you know what? Yeah, uh, on, on the way in, he yeah. gave us a little uh, taste of the hooch. And Good. I got to say, it was pretty tasty. That's okay. Plus, I've been sitting out there for two hours drinking uh, five-ounce beers, and I got to tell you, they go down smooth. They do. Well, John Palmer doesn't let anybody on the show unless they've had a couple anyway. So nice. you're, well, you're, good. Well, I'm right there. Yeah. I, hear, I hear that you guys have some uh, sometimes have uh, a drunk contest where people call in and See who's the drunkest. Different show. Is that true? Okay. It's on the Brewing Network, okay. but uh, they That's no longer. You guys? They no, it yeah. is. They no longer yeah, associate with that show. I understand. That's you my show. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just a competition between Jamil and I. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Fair. I just heard it out in the lobby. So. No, you are right. That's on the Sunday session that I do. Awesome. Uh, well, I'm not that guys. drunk yet. So now, now you said you didn't have much experience getting right. into this. What were you before? Uh, I was a barista. So oh. basically, I was slinging coffee. You brewed. Yeah. That's true. Exactly. Right. It was just a different type of brewing. Graduated college in 93 with a degree in business, and uh, when I came out uh, in 93, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Okay. knew I wanted to make money. I like that. <laughs> so How, you got into brewing? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> exactly. Got into brewing. So, yeah, so uh, not a lot of jobs hiring in 93 for what I was looking for, and I was just looking for anything in business. I like the idea of making money. So it uh, wasn't happening. My brother worked at a cafe in Coronado. I grew up in Coronado. He said, hey. We're hiring. Why don't you work nights? You can interview during the day. And so I said, sounds great. Well, after six months of that, the owner, Rick Chapman, who now is a partner with myself in Coronado Brewing Company, said, uh, I like how you operate, and uh, I've got an idea. And that was in 90, late 94. Okay. And so the idea came about, and that's when I said, what do I do? You know, How do I fit into this? They said, we tab you as being the brewer. And that's when I got a little nervous. They were like, man, you make a mean cappuccino. Yeah. Yeah. And we just think you yeah. can be the brewer. Yeah, just like that. I mean, I was stunned. I was like, wow. I, I mean, I really, I got scared because I said, brewing sounds complicated. Yeah. All I've ever done is drink the beer, not make the beer. Okay. And, uh, so, yeah, so uh, under the tutelage of John Atwater at uh, La Jolla Brewing Company, he uh, was one of the original guys in the brewing scene mm-hmm. in San Diego back in the day. And uh, learned under him for nine months and... Uh, like I said, all I knew was, oh, you add the malt and you push a couple of buttons and this happens. And so I knew the how. I just didn't understand what we were doing exactly. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, that was like that for the first few years of CBC. And I would say it reflected in the beers because I didn't have a lot of thought process. I just knew how to push buttons and this is what happens. And I don't, I mean, geez, 15 years later, I mean, look at what we're doing now. I'm now I'm not also brewing anymore. We have people that are a little more knowledgeable about it, but... 
15 years, I mean, obviously, I kept the boat afloat enough to get us to that point. Yeah, yeah. And then clearly in, in, in the decision-making to really start to focus on the beer, mm-hmm. uh, yeast was kind yeah. of your starting point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So basically in the early days, I would come to Ron Chapman, who was the uh, main owner with Rick Chapman, and say, uh, you know, maybe we should start looking at other ideas, other yeast types. And he basically said, well, if it's not broke, why are we fixing it? CBC was packed. We always had customers – the beer was fine. No one was complaining. But mm-hmm. as the beer scene evolved in San Diego, yeah, beer folks started figuring out what was really quality, unique, different type of a beer. And ours didn't fall in that category. Okay. And so – but again, he didn't understand that just yet. Sure. So another year or two went by. And at that point, he started seeing and hearing people talk about it. And so at that point, we said, okay. He gave me the authority to say, okay. Let's take a look at this and see how we can do this. Because he was worried it was going to change everything. And mm-hmm. I said, but if it's going to change everything, it's going to change it for the better. Sure. <laughs> so I can guarantee you that as long as we handle it properly. And to this day, I mean, it must have been – it's probably been, I don't know, 10 years at least since we've gone to White Labs. Uh, we haven't had any contamination issues. And, and basically we pitch – we pull into buckets and that's it. I mean some people use corny kegs. Some people pitch cone to cone. Not us. We as soon as that beer is uh, drops out to what forty two fifty two depending on what beer we're pulling it from, uh-huh. we get our buckets sanitized. We dump it in the buckets, and we haven't had any issues. Homebrew style, homebrew style. Just pull it right out of there. Homebrew style. Now <laughs> I understood that Tommy Arthur at you know Pizza Port Lost Abbey. That's the way he did it for years, and that's the way Tom Nichols sold it to me. He said, "Hey." Tommy does it this way. Well, geez, if Tommy's doing it this sure. way, we're going to do it the same way. And we have not, it never changed. Never done it in a corny keg. Nothing. It's always been buckets. Dump it in the manway valve, and off we go. Well, I have a lot of respect for two things, and I really mean this. One is that there's a lot of breweries that you know. Um, I think there's enough beer drinkers out there that you can go along being a mediocre brewery and, and still sell enough beer to stay in business. Right. I don't recommend it, but right. it's possible. Uh, so I, I like that you noticed that, and, you, and as the San Diego beer scene grew up, you wanted to grow up too. And the other thing is I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about it like this because there are a lot of brewers who, who they know it, but they'd rather sweep it under the carpet and just right. pretend it's been fine. And this way we all get to learn a, along with you. Absolutely. So that's what we'll do today. we got to take a break. But first, we want to thank Blickman Engineering for, uh, sponsoring our show. Absolutely. Yeah. Blickman uh, Engineering. Blickman with two N's. And a Blickman C-H. Engineering. Dot <laughs> com. And a C-H. Well, I think it was a C-K. And a yeah. B. <clears throat> yeah. And a vowel in there. A couple vowels. A couple vowels yeah. in there. And, <laughs> and uh, a dot com at the end. Right. Okay. Uh, no, they've <clears throat> they've been longtime sponsors. And, uh, you know, uh, before uh, we did the show, um, you know, I knew a little bit about Blickman Engineering, and mm-hmm. I didn't really get a chance to uh, experience a lot of it. But once I did, uh, you know, once I got to know John Blickman and you know his uh, understanding and his passion for making brewing better, I told you. I know. <laughs> you know, I, I became I, you know I was quite impressed, and the more hands-on I, I got to be with the equipment, and the more. I actually, you know, looked into the stuff. The more I was like, you know, this is really good stuff. This is really, uh, you know, a a manufacturer that I can get behind and, uh, you know, a company and, you know, customer service and just an attitude that I think is worthy of, 
you know, being on the Brewing Network, being mm-hmm. somebody that we talk about, because, you know, I wouldn't do this if I didn't really believe in it. And um, Plus, he's a geek like us. He yep. is, and he's he's a funny guy, he's a nice guy, he's a kind guy, and, uh, you know, he really has a passion for what he's doing and the customers that he serves. Yep. I mean, that is an important thing to this guy, you know, doing right by his customers not just making a buck but you know Mm -hmm. it it all seems to stem from that passion of doing the right thing for his customers and i think you know they make money at it but that's not the focus yeah and uh, i'm just really really truly impressed check them out lots of good stuff to put in your in your brew system we might have to go take a look at your brewery stuff neva and see if we can come up with some blickman upgrades yeah yeah, might have to go see if we can get you like a Terminator or something. <laughs> Terminator. Yeah. What are you using to chill? I think, work I think right she now? could use a Tower of Power. She might need the Tower of oh, Power. Oh, that too. sounds good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite enjoyable. How, how do you chill work right now? Do you use the, an immersion chiller? It's an immersion. Yeah. Yeah, we might need to get you oh, a, a Terminator. See if you can check that. Nice. I like the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. It's just got a good name. Yeah. It just right. sounds badass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do this. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll we'll do more with uh, Coronado Brewing Company after this. When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their Boilermaker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Hi, this is John from Grain and Grape. We've been supplying brewers in Australia for 21 years and for all that time we've been working to offer the best service around, including free fortnightly all-grain brewing demos, 90 varieties of malted grain from Belgium, Germany, the US, Britain and Australia, Equipment from Browmasters, Kegerators and Crown Urns to the humble brew in a bag bag. Heaps of hops, wire yeast liquid and fermenters and Danstar dried yeast cultures. Fresh work kits made at Mountain Goat Brewery and on the 200 litre Browmaster right here in the warehouse. We also sponsor and support brewing clubs and comps, the Australian National Home Brewing Conference, Aussie Home Brewer Forum and heaps more. Mostly though, 100 years of brewing experience means that we can give you the best advice on your next recipe, your new system or that brewing problem that needs a solution. Mention the Brewing Network next time you order online or by phone for freight free on your next order. Check out grainandgrape.com.au for conditions. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the homebrewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishef. 
If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read your way to better homebrew. When Michael Fairbrother started Moonlighting, he had no idea how quickly his dream was going to grow. Having homebrewed for 15 years, Michael decided to go pro, but not with beer. While attending his homebrew club meetings, he saw ladies knocking their men out of the way to try his mead. Moonlight Meadery is now two years old and can produce 200,000 bottles a year. It's the first New Hampshire winery to ever distribute to California and Australia. In fact, you can find Moonlight Meadery Meads in Connecticut, Massachusetts, Maine, Rhode Island, Vermont, and New Hampshire. And they ship direct to 17 states. They produce 56 different varieties of mead and are unlike anything you've ever seen on the market. Michael Fairbrother at Moonlight Meadery is a real success story that can make the BN Army proud. Visit Moonlight Meadery in Londonderry, New Hampshire or online at MoonlightMeadery.com. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're here at the lovely uh, White Labs World Headquarters. Yes. Thank you. Very nice. Lecture hall and tasting nice. room. Yeah. Lecture hall, tasting room. It's longer a, every break. And a fun bathroom facility as well. Yeah. If you need to and urinate, hotel yes. and spa. I, I, I highly recommend <laughs> urinating at the uh, the White Labs facility. It's an absolutely incredible experience. Right. You get a massage. Yeah, while you're urinating. That's yeah. what Kara's here It's a little for. uncomfortable when you came up behind me and did that. <laughs> if your hands were a little higher, put a, a, a little word of advice. Listen, it's I'm dedicated to my friends and sponsors, and I'm just trying to help the White Labs experience uh, be all that it can be. Oh, it is the White Labs experience. Yeah. The yeah. White Labs experience. Nice. 3D glasses at the door. There, the, it needs to be in 3D. That's, that's all I can say. All right. <laughs> well, we are here from uh, during uh, the Craft Brewers Conference this week, and uh, Chris White was nice enough to invite us down. We've got Neva Parker on the program with us today, and Sean from Coronado Brewing Company has joined us. And uh, just before the break, we were talking about uh, Sean's learning curve and the yeah. process that we've all had to go through. Yeah. We just don't all talk about it. And so what I'd like to hear from you guys, and, and the reason I'm involved in this show today is that so Jamil and John can also be you know panelists instead of hosts, because I think that you all have a, a really good amount of experience with using different kinds of yeasts. Mm-hmm. And the, the specific transition that Sean mentioned is going from a dried Nottingham yeast to, to liquid yeast. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference, Neva? Um, when we're talking about a dry yeast and, and a liquid yeast, um, why do I really care? It, it, it's all yeast, isn't it? Well, it is yeast, yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, there are quite a few differences. You know, I'm not, I'm definitely not here to knock dry yeast. I know a lot of people use it. Yeah. Um, it's had a, a quite a bit of resurgence over the last couple of years, and um, the dry yeast manufacturers, manufacturers are doing a much better job with the quality. So, you know, it's there. It's just that the extra processing to 
you know, dehydrate the yeast can really put some strain on the yeast itself. So I, for me, that's the biggest difference. You know, think of it like a dehydrated piece of fruit. It's never going to be as good as, as the fresh fruit when you go to eat it. You know, a dehydrated strawberry is always going to be a dehydrated strawberry. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, there really is no comparison in that sense. Um, and I think, you know, like I said, the quality is still there. Um, it's still, I would have to say that with liquid yeast, you know, for us in particular, we put our cultures through a very vigorous testing program. And with a dry yeast, it's pretty hard to always do that because it's open, the drying process isn't necessarily sterile. So there's possibility of introducing contamination into the cultures when you're drying it too. So there's a lot of different things, but I mean, you know, of course in a pinch, dry yeast works great. A lot of cells there. Um, they usually take off very quickly because, you know, you're you're adding a whole bunch of cells compared to what you would get in a liquid culture. I see. Um, and the storage, of course, is much longer. The shelf, shelf life. life. Okay. Yep. Because of the dehydration process. Yeah, exactly. So what about just in practice and in use? I mean, Sean said he tore open a bag and he threw it into the beer. And to me, as a home brewer, I can see that. But I do have a hard time envisioning a pro brewer doing that. Um, Is that the right way to pitch even dry yeast? Well, you know, a lot of people do it that way because it's easy. Um, but typically you want to rehydrate it first. That that actual rehydration process is very important to help those cells, you know, become supple again. Okay. So. Supple is good. We all like supple, especially when Neva says it for some reason. Yeah. So, but that, yeah. that, this, the suppleness, that allows them to uh, transport the nutrients across the cell membranes. Well, and can control the... The osmotic gradient when the when all, everything comes rushing if if it's not if the membrane is not uh, rehydrated properly everything essentially just comes rushing in and yeah. they, the yeast cell has no control over I it see. and you know you end up with like fifty percent dead yeast at least hmm. yeah. and you've used dry yeast too haven't you Jamil yeah I've, I've compared dry and liquid and, mm-hmm. you know what what people claim is the same strain you know across you know various manufacturers and all that. And and what do you go back to? Are you a liquid yeast guy for the most part? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, dry yeast. You know, it's a cost thing for a lot of people, or it's an availability thing for a lot of people. So, you know, we have listeners in India, and it's very difficult to get White Labs vials shipped to India yeah. <laughs> intact yeah. and you know at a reasonable cost. So they're you know pretty much using dry yeast. You know, so you know, there's there's reasons why you would, but if you, if you have access to to a product like you know, White Labs or Y Yeast or you know one of the uh, the various manufacturers, that's what you should be using. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, the the cost difference it's it's ridiculous uh, to I think just you know it's it's penny wise pound foolish. I see. If you talk over the course of of your entire batch of beer, we're right. really talking about a small amount here, right? Yeah, and in commercial brewing, um, you know, you can reuse your yeast, you know, much easier. You're brewing frequently. For a home brewer, I can understand. You know, you, you're going to dump a, a six dollar vial into you know a batch of beer, and that's for one batch of beer because mm-hmm. you're probably not going to brew again for a few months. But even then, um, you know the availability of you know multiple strains, the avail- you know the the purity, the you know the the effectiveness, um, you know, and mm-hmm. convenience of dry yeast versus convenience of, of liquid yeast. 
I would, you know, compare, you know, dumping in liquid yeast as easy as dumping in dry yeast. Okay. You know, if you're True. if you're not going to rehydrate your dry yeast because you're worried about contamination or something like that, um, you know, and you're not going to make a starter because you're worried about contamination or something like that, well... Just, They're both just as easy. Right. And, you know, you sanitize the outside of the container and dump it in, you're, you're done. Um, so I think that, you know, that's that's a non-issue as well. Okay. You, uh, John, did you have something to add? Well, I was going to say, you know, I, I started out, you know, brewing in 91, 92. And, you know, I, was, I started out with Red Star. I mean, you know, like the original... Uh, offshoot of Fleischmann's, you know, bread, bread yeast. yeast yeah. It was, it was, uh, which I mean, doesn't doesn't make a great flavor. Yeah, I mean, it, it made it made all right. It makes beer. alcohol. It yeah. made alcohol. Yeah, but um, to me, when I went from Red Star to Nottingham, it was you know the night and day <laughs> kind of kind of transition. And I brewed with Nottingham for a long time. Made a lot of good beer with that, um, just like Sean. So, but you know, as and then with the advent of white labs and y yeast and in the in the, the greater variety of liquid strains right you know now i think Sean you were alluding to this earlier is that you know all your beers had a signature flavor um that was primarily yeast driven right and uh so when you're able to to move away from that to different yeast strains and and with a variety of liquid yeast that's when you're really able to t- tailor a beer to its style right. and say, okay, now I, I think I've really made something that tastes like this European beer that I've heard about or, you know, or tr- tasted once. Now I'm, I really feel like I'm brewing that. Exactly. Well, <clears throat> one other thing that was brought up was the stability of dry yeast. And that's one of the reasons it can be shipped cheaply around the world and still be effective when it gets there. But one of the things I think, you know, a lot of people who use a lot of dry yeast miss out on is that yeast is also deteriorating over time mm-hmm. you know if, especially if it's kept warm uh it deteriorates much much faster than it, if it's kept in the refrigerator and so you know the yeast is not nearly going to rehydrate to th- the same number of viable cells um you know when you have a six month old or a year old pack hmm. you know just like the liquid yeast it's deteriorating over time so okay it's something to be also aware of, and I think people will also, um, you know, they, they they produce, you know, this huge number of packs of yeast, and then it goes out to market, and then, you know, a lot of people keep them on the shelves. They people aren't as aware of the production dates on yeast as mm-hmm. in dry yeast as they are on, on liquid yeast. Sure. Liquid yeast, sure, it's it's not going to last as long, but they don't produce as much. They send it out to market much more frequently. So, again, um, you know, I, I'm not bashing dry yeast because I think you can make great beer with dry yeast. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, a lot of the reasons that people decide to use dry yeast are false. Okay. And that they need to rethink why they're doing this and, and how this is helping their beer. I mean, the, the goal, I think, for anybody to listen to the show is to make the best beer you possibly can, not the cheapest beer. But the best beer. Yeah. Now, in some cases, that may be dry yeast, but generally, from especially people in the U.S., it's it's liquid yeast. Okay. So, with those being some of the the physical and biological differences, I'd like to know about some of the differences in practice and in and in the beer. So, I wonder, Sean, if you could point out maybe a couple characteristics of your beer 
that changed? Sure. What changed when you switched to this yeast? What we found was when we went to liquid yeast from dry yeast is that we were getting a lot more flavors. Now, I have to specify the yeast we're using. We're using Calo 1, which yeah. I think is fairly standard for a lot of folks in our business in San Diego and maybe nationwide, is that it's a very neutral yeast. Mm-hmm. So you're getting a lot of flavor from the malt and the hops that you're using. Mm. So before we got that, we talked about the, the, the generic flavor that we were getting from the Nottingham Hill yeast. Sure. So I think that uh, that uh, kind of masked the flavors that came from the malt and the hops. Mm-hmm. But when we used O1, all of a sudden we noticed, wow, our brown tastes different than our pale. Not that they tasted exactly the same. Yeah. But we did notice that they were more crisp, more distinct from each other. Okay. And so for the most part, we use O1 one for everything. Now, you know, if we make a Belgian IPA, we're going to use uh, 550. Mm. And, uh, you know, if we make a Saison, we'll use, I don't even know the number off the top of my head on that one because we don't make that one enough. But, uh, you know, we will change the yeast strains. But for the most part, we're O1 one across the board. Uh, we'll repitch over and over, and I know that's, you know. So that, that can really be attributed to, to a, lo- a lot of different things, that difference in flavor. Uh, not even just the quality of, of dry yeast versus liquid yeast, but, but the yeast itself, right? You mentioned the strain, yeah. that the Cal Ale is, is kind of a more neutral. It allows the beer to come out. Nottingham, is that – go ahead, Jamil. Is that more uh, – Well, you know, I, I would attribute this to better fermentation. Okay. You know, um, you know, better attenuation. If you're if you're not fully attenuating out, you know, those some of those uh, sugars, um, and you're not getting to a proper pH. You're not, you know, all these things. You know, a, a brighter, fresher, more appealing beer comes from you know better fermentation. I see. One of the things um, that we're doing, we we, I'd love to use different yeasts for all our beers. The problem is, you know, our our brew schedule is limiting us to one yeast currently. We got three beers. We got a, a double IPA. We got the West Coast Red, and we got the Porter. Mm-hmm. If people didn't know, people people have asked, you know, what well, what yeast are you using in the Porter? I get this, you know, fruity esters, and I'm getting, you know, this this complex, you know, fermentation character. So one, the reason you're getting that is actually, you know, by you having good fermentation, yeah, the malt character all of a sudden pops. You know that the, the extra money you're spending on that fancy malt all of a sudden comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. on the hoppy beers, boy, the hops really you know can now rise to the top. They're not muddled over by unfermented wort or you know other uh, fermentation compounds that can really kind of mask some of those those bright characters that are, are really very subtle and get lost in uh, in a poor fermentation. So I think. That in and of itself, you know, O one is 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 a you know a fairly neutral yeast. It's not adding stuff, but you know, by fermenting properly, it's getting out of the way, and you know, it's letting the other compounds and other things that you're doing really shine. And and the beers can seem unique and different across the board just because of that fact. I see. Well, and I I think also you know different conditions are going to affect the way that that sure. strain ferments. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, I, I really, truly do believe that a live yeast has more of that component than than a dry yeast does, one that's been dehydrated, because th- it is interacting with some of those other um, conditions that you're putting these through. So, like, you know, your porter, for instance, could be just um, different fermentation profile or, you know, some other different things that could be affecting some of the flavor characteristics that are being thrown there. Um, gravity could play a part, but... 
you know, granted, O1 is a, as a neutral strain, it can still change based on um, temperatures, gravities, whatever it's kind of put into. And yeah, it may not be as drastic as, as a different strain that typically produces more of those um, ester compounds and things like that. But but it is there, and, you know, we've done studies on that, and it's been measured, so we know those things are Well, are in our case, you know, the three beers are actually, they all start at the same gravity, mm-hmm. and the difference is really where they attenuate out to, mm-hmm. and we control that by, you know, mash temperature or uh, actually, you know, non-fermentable uh, specialty malts, things like sure. that. Hmm. So it's just, you know, the starting gravity is the same. So that's not not really an issue. And then, you know, the water's all the same. And a lot of these other things are the same. Fermentation temperature is actually the same on all of them. Right. Oxygen's the same. Nutrients are the same. So it really, you know, I, I think it, it gives you a real pop of, you know, those other, other compounds. And the thing that I think is the same across that I, I rely on to, to make that difference is, you know, fermentation, you know, really getting good fermentation all the way through. And we were um, repitching some yeast from another brewery earlier on, and we had some issues. And, um, you know, I think we were we were not quite getting those flavors. And it wasn't until, you know, um, we really had more control over it that we really got, you know, that distinction between them. Okay. So, you know, and, and I think, you know, certain compounds, certain malt compounds, um, you know, uh, highly kiln malts, I think, can can affect the way a yeast ferments. Um, and I, obviously, I think that makes a, a difference in the final, uh, you know, ester profile and things like that. But I think that big difference is, you know, if you're if you're sprinkling in dry yeast, um, you know, you're. I'm not sure. You know how how good a ferment you're getting. Okay. Just overall. So even the switch for Sean, it it wasn't just the product, but changing the pitch rate, uh, the the amount of healthy yeast that went into the beer, um, and even just adjusting his fermentation profile. You probably didn't even know it at the time. Exactly. But you adjusted no your 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 fermentation profile. Got better. Right. With, with the switch. Uh, did any of your other e- equipment change at that time? In None. terms, so the fermenters were the same in the way your beer was temperature controlled. Everything was the same. Okay. Other than uh, opening up a package, I was dumping a bucket in. Right. Yeah. And that's so, interesting. Yeah, but then we got back to the cost, and that's when we realized, wait, mm-hmm. we're going to be saving a lot of money because I mean, we'll take out Calo one to twenty plus. I know Nate doesn't, doesn't like, like that, but, but boy, I tell you, if you handle it right, I tell you, that yeast yeah. gets happy in its environment and gets used to the mm-hmm. size of your fermenters and all that good stuff. And I mean, this stuff flocks out quick and nice. Yeah. I mean, it's no, amazing. And it drops out true. real nice, too. That's very true. Um, you know, we make recommendations on those generations and how long you should go. But that's Which is just, what? That's yeah, what just is a rule that? of thumb. What's the rule of thumb? For ales, 8 to 10. But, yeah. but that's not always <laughs> Double true. Double down, Sean. <laughs> theoretically, <laughs> theoretically there, is, there is no limit. No, you know, and it's, I agree. It's all based on It all uh, depends uh, on your, your handling. And, right, yeah. and how Use you're selecting everything. and all that. No, yeah. absolutely. Right. And that, uh, you know, for yeah. us making those recommendations, people want to know what that answer is. And there's no... There's no 
definite answer. We make that as a recommendation, but absolutely there are cases that people have gone 100 generations, never have any problems. There's no variations. There's no mutations. And it all comes down to handling right. how well you handle right. that yeast, right. what kinds of conditions they're being pulled from and being reused. So, right. Well, and the yeast are very, you know, mutation resistant in, in, in a way. And so, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's more... You know, the pressures, you know, when you're putting excessive pressures as far as selection mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, and, and I think for the majority of breweries, it's it's a contamination thing before it's anything else. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, if you're if you're selecting, you know, the, the most flocculent, the least flocculent yeast, you know, over and over again, then, you know, it, it only takes a couple of batches before you wouldn't make eight batches. It, you'd see really you know, dusty yeast or the thing wouldn't attenuate hardly anymore. And you'd see that almost immediately. And, and I've experienced that as a, you know, I was like, Oh, okay. I'll select this really dusty yeast from secondary. And pretty (laughs) soon you get get something that looks like milk. Um, So, you know, I, I think it's, it's a contamination thing. And then, you know, a lot of breweries, they go until they taste something wrong and that's too late. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, we randomly bust out the uh, microscope and have yeah. the boys look at it. Mm-hmm. Not me, but the guys. Someone that, does. Exactly. Someone <laughs> in our brew house does bust it out and does some counts, and uh, it seems like it works. Yeah. I got to say, it seems like it doesn't seem to generation four or five before it really just gets happy. Yeah. It's really it's happy, yeah, comfortable. Yeah. And then we keep that right. bad boy going. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can say right now, I just left the brewery a few hours ago, and we're on 15, and mm-hmm. everything's kicking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, great. I think there there are a lot of ways to tell that there's something wrong with the yeast before you get to a flavor issue. Right. So even if it's you know just getting stressed or it's mutating, you should know that. And that's why it's so important for any brewer, professional or home brewer, if you're collecting yeast, to really know and understand that strain and know that fermentation and you know what you're typically used to seeing. Because if anything seems slightly off, then you know. You know, right. if you collect this and reuse it, you're probably going to have a problem. So um, flocculation is a huge thing. When the flocculation starts to change, you know, it's probably time to switch. That's usually when we take a look at it because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you start filling up those buckets and you notice it seems a little light. And you're yeah. like, ah, the weight's not there. And the taste is not bad, but it's not that fresh, yeasty flavor. Mm-hmm. So that's when we go, okay, time to look at it. Hold that thought. Let's take a break and come back and talk about some of the things that, because I think this is really part of the learning process. And what I liked about this topic is is not only learning uh, about different kinds of yeast, but how to use them and how they react. And it seems to me that if Neva could, you know, could point out some of the things that start to go awry when your yeast is going the the wrong direction, and I bet Jamil has some experience with it too, and Sean, then we can we can talk about that. Is that yep. cool? Sounds great. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll do uh, some more of that stuff. Seven short minutes off California State Route 101, there lies a secret oasis for all craft beer lovers. It's relax, grilling, and chilling, bro! Relax, grilling, and chilling in Hollister, California is a craft beer lover's dream come true. Not like a creepy JP dream. Like a normal craft beer lover's dream. 30 taps pouring your favorite craft beer. Visit Relax Grilling and Chillin' on Facebook to see the most up-to-date beers and what's on the grill. 
And let us grill so you can chill. Angus burgers, filet mignon, and ribeye steaks, dogs and sandwiches, and more. Great food, great beer, in a place where you can kick back and relax. Tuesdays are brewery nights. Come in to celebrate, and you're not limited to enjoying your favorite brew at the restaurant. Relax, grillin' and chillin' has beer to go. Relax, grillin' and chillin'. Let them grill so you can chill. What'd you get? More brewing ingredients? Yep. You know what I love about Brewmaster's Warehouse? The $6.99 shipping. Well, yeah, but... Oh, the in-store classes for beginning brewers. Yeah, that's cool, but... Oh, oh, the brew builder. Creating and saving your recipes online is awesome. No, I'm... Yes, but... The cheese-making supplies. No. Oh, the wine-making supplies. (sighs) Oh, the distilling equipment and liquor flavorings. All that stuff is awesome, yes, but what I really love is that the guy who runs it is totally hot. And, and that brew builder software is awesome. Oh, yeah. Brewmaster's Warehouse brings you flat rate shipping on great equipment and ingredients to make beer, wine, cheese, and spirits at brewmasterswarehouse.com. And if you're in Georgia, stop by Brewmaster's Warehouse Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6. Visit brewmasterswarehouse.com today because it's totally hot. Oh, yeah. A vial of White Labs yeast is the key to your best beer. When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeast, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego's Super Yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Are you a member of the American Homebrewers Association? Well, you should be. Members of the AHA can focus on brewing beer, and the AHA takes care of the rest. The American Homebrewers Association advocates on behalf of homebrewers like you to legalize the hobby in all 50 states and make sure that beer laws make sense. Plus, there are many great benefits that come with your AHA membership, like pub discounts that give you awesome deals at bars, restaurants, breweries, and more, Zymergy Magazine, and eZymergy. For tons of articles, how-tos, easy-to-follow recipes, and news about the hobby you love. And access to the members-only content on homebrewersassociation.org. But the AHA can't do it without your support. Join today so the American Homebrewers Association can keep fighting for your homebrewing rights. Visit homebrewersassociation.org or join right now from the homepage of the Brewing Network website. Relax. Don't worry. It's the American Homebrewers Association. By popular vote from the Northwest Brewing News, HopTech has been voted the best homebrew shop in Northern California. Serving homebrewers for nearly 30 years in Dublin, California, HopTech carries more than 40 different kinds of hops and more than 60 different grains. 
malt extract, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts. Open every day except Wednesday or shop online anytime at hoptech.com or call 1-800-DRY-HOPS, 1-800-379-4677. With in-store classes almost every Saturday, huge selection and a dedicated commitment to their customers, HopTech is one of the longest-running and passionate homebrew stores, period. And now, by popular vote, the best homebrew shop in Northern California. And don't forget their 15% military discount. HopTech. Visit today at HopTech.com. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew Strong. All right, we're back at the lovely Giant World Headquarters and tasting spa. room, spa, White Labs hotel, worldwide. Worldwide. massage bathroom, <laughs> massage bathroom. Uh, We've got facility. bidets in there, you know. You do? And bistro. <laughs> Have you tried them? No, I gotta go oh, try that out. Just, They're just, amazing. Yeah, I just, wash my rear. <laughs> the faucet wasn't working right. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I don't know, but it wasn't right. Don't ask. Something liquid sprayed me. <laughs> I turned around. Palmer said it wasn't him, so it must have been the bidet. Right. All right, we are here at the li- live at the uh, White Labs World headquarters, which is a great location. You should come down. They have a tasting room now, so it's a it's a public location. You can come down and and check out the experiments that they're doing. And uh, Nava Parker, who's with us on today's program, is heavily involved in in that process. Uh, we're also here with Sean from the Coronado Brewing Company. Now, just before we went to break, uh, we started to talk about. Um, you know, maybe carrying over your yeast for too many generations. And, you know, there are some hardcore homebrewers out there who like to carry over their yeast for several generations too. Nave, I'm sure you mm-hmm. hear from some of them sure. in customer service sometimes. Um, so, but but what you had said what, that, that piqued my interest was that there are, there are some signs that in your beer that you've maybe gone a little bit too mm-hmm. far. And I thought we'd start with Nava and then maybe talk to the brewers and see what they've noticed too. How do I know when my yeast needs to be replaced? Well, you know, usually you're going to look for any kind of um, variance from your normal fermentation. If you've been using the yeast for, you know, I don't know, 10 generations and it's starting to act differently this time, it's a little bit slower than usual, it's starting to... Um, have issues with flocculation where it's just kind of staying in suspension uh, or it's flocculating too early. Those are some signs that you can tell it's probably time to change the yeast. Um, And, you know, a lot of kind of what we talked about earlier is that, yeah, if you treat the yeast right, it can go forever, many, many generations. And what's really going to cause stress to the yeast is pressure. Um, Any kind of, you know, poor handling or... um, you know, maybe too high gravity, something like that. That just really puts a lot of stress on the yeast, can can cause it to undergo mutations over time. So that's where these signs kind of come about when they just start to get a little bit stressed. Okay. And uh, Sean, have you now? You said uh, uh, you shy. You were shy about saying it because you didn't want Nava to punch you in the face. But uh, twenty <laughs> generations right. sometimes. Uh, <laughs> Now, what what starts to happen at, say, you know, I don't know, 18, 19 generations that you guys noticed? What we noticed was that the uh, fermentation times were a little slower. Okay. And it seemed like it just got stuck at this. It got stuck. Like, it just kept going, but it wasn't getting lower, it just, but it was still bubbling. 
And so that's always our, you know, our indicator other than the fact that we do take gravity samples. But for the most part, it's a quick look in the bucket and go, oh, yeah, the bubbles are slowing down. I think it's coming to the end. Oh, how many days is it? I mean, we look at our sheets and we know. And so usually for us, it's four to five days on everything. That's Maybe, what it should be. Well, well, that's what's normal for us. Okay, yeah. I don't know if that's normal and gen- normal. It really depends. Terms. But right. that's why it's so important to know your own fermentations. Right. Um, if you're brewing, you know, I, I know it's difficult with homebrewers who are brewing different kinds of beers all the time, um, being able to know that. But there are these kinds of signs. You know, even without knowing how many days it's been, but if it's slowing down and doesn't seem to be reaching terminal gravity, right? I mean, yeah, those are things. That's what we look for, and then also when we're uh, actually pulling the yeast, you know, when we're filling up our buckets, and you just it pu- pulling I don't know. it for the next batch, or, right? Well, okay. yeah, just just pulling yeast from say this tank so that we can repitch it into these next four tanks. Usually, we're pulling from our twenty barrel tank. We'll get four to five pitches from each twenty barrel tank. And then that goes into four or five tanks. Okay. And then we pull from all those, assuming that it's a non-high gravity beer. So our idiot IPA, we do not pull yeast from. That sounds like a great beer, by the way. It's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> it it's a double IPA. Made for me. <laughs> Go yeah. on. Yeah. So basically, uh, IPA and down is the only beer, beers, alcohol-wise, that we pull yeast from. So Okay. Now, how about you, Jamil? Um... So it relates to behavior. But one thing about that, uh, pull it from IPA, one interesting thing uh, Mitch Steele at uh, Stone had said was they had tried always p- pulling from, like, uh, levitation. You know, so they have a, a lighter, lower-gravity beer to, to pull their yeast from. They're getting lower viabilities from that than they were from their IPA. Hmm. So they go with – or they were going with, like, ruination or something. No, it's IPA. And it's they were the so that's what they repitch everything off of is the IPA because even though the massive IBUs and the higher alcohol and things like that, yeah, it's fresher, it's more consistent, and they were getting much higher viability levels uh, going with that. So um, you know, it's and that got me. Otherwise, I was always about the yeah, uh, you know, pitch from lower to higher, and if you make a high gravity beer, you know, don't pitch and yeah, and I and I had some experience with that at homebrewing, but you know. That kind of got me into the mindset of you know it's it's the freshest yeast you have it's it's the you know the yeast that's fermenting properly that's the one you pitch from you know and as far as you know finding out when something's not working out right you have to be a bit of a, a yeast whisperer you know you have to be <laughs> it, it's subtle signs that tell you when the pitch isn't isn't you know something's going on with the yeast you have to be it's like it's like you're going out with your girlfriend, and mm. she's saying, "You know, um, you know," and you have I to read from that. I don't want Mexican food again, right? You know, <laughs> or whatever it might be. You have to listen. You have to listen. You have to look yeah. at, at those signs, and you know, one of the things we do is characterize every time we take a a gravity reading of fermentation. We 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 monitor fermentation parameters, at, you know, as we go through it goes through fermentation. And we also try and characterize. You know the quality of the bubbling, right. <laughs> you know the rapidity. The you know we th- there's a, a series of terms that are used in order to characterize that, and so that can be compared to other fermentations and of of the same same work. 
And then you can also measure things. You can measure your pH. You can measure the gravity at the different points. You can measure uh, various things about fermentation that can tell you if, if you're missing these subtle signs, you know, what is that? And also, you know, the final test is, you know, you taste a beer and before you can pick out something very specific and say, oh, I taste, you know, diacetyl or I taste, uh, you know, or this, that or the other thing, you know the beer doesn't taste the same. If you're brewing the same beer over and over and over mm-hmm. again, you just know, you taste it and you go, no, it's not right. Something's, something's happening. You know, what happened on this batch? It's not, you know, even your measurements are all the same, but you, you know, your, your sense of smell and taste are so sensitive that you can, you can say, no, this isn't the same beer. There's, there's something subtle going on here. And out in, out in trade, it's, people aren't going to notice. They won't, they won't notice that, but you as, as the, the brewer should be able to pick that out. And again, you know, if, if something like that comes up, you've gone a little too far. Okay. All right. John Palmer, anything from the homebrew side? Now, you said you've come a long way from Red Star um, all the way till now. Uh, And I assume that you're a a White Labs. You're a Southern California boy. You should be White Labs. Well, I I use both. I use White white Labs and White East. Okay. Um, And, uh, but my brewing is... is, um, so many different styles and variety uh, that I've—I don't think I've ever pitched yeast more than three times uh, from a single thing. So I just don't have the experience on, on looking for it to go bad. Usually, it's—it's it's become a matter of it is sat in the fridge, you know, under too long. Yeah, too long, and it's starting to turn color, and that where I say, well, you know, this this. Yeast isn't ready to go. Okay, and I and even then when I'm repitching, um, it's almost always going into a starter to revitalize it before I can put it to another beer because I'm just not brewing often enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so a little different situation for me than than for you all, where you're you're brewing, you know, weekly or right. daily or you know whatever the case may be. I think you make a good point though, and that's you know even though you may not be reusing the yeast. A lot of times you're still looking at it and yeah. noticing if it's changing in color. And, you know, all of the sensory astr- attributes of, of looking at the yeast are really important, too. And, you know, I still get pictures from a lot of homebrewers who email me and send me photos of their yeast and ask me if it looks okay. I mean, while that's, you know, while you're laughing about that, it, at least it goes to show that they're looking at it. And I think that's that true. those they things care. are important. So yeah. I'm happy to look at it. I have a lot of experience looking at yeast. So, right. you so know, yeah, you need an expert opinion. All right. I will look at it. I'll look at your yeast. Yeah. I got this rash. Uh, can you look at this for me? I'm going to get like 500 emails now with yeast pictures. Yeah, Thank can you. you look at this for me? It's, I don't know. It just feels a little strange. Yeah. <laughs> that's, oh, great. That's yeah, it's C. White. <laughs> right. There you go. Right. But if I send you just a picture of my airlock, can you tell anything from yeah. that? Yeah. No, but I mean, that happens a lot. And I honestly, I am happy to look at it because I know... You know, if you're not doing it a lot, it is hard to tell. And I have, a, you know, I've had a trained eye for the last ten years at looking right. at this stuff. So, <laughs> well, and, and if you're if you're not doing it a lot, I can suggest something that will help. <laughs> AdamandEve.com. I'll tell you, you know, yeah, gals. 
Uh. If, if, if you're not doing a lot, if you need somebody to look at it, uh, right. you, know, you might try going to adamandeve.com. Mm-hmm. they got a great array of uh, fantastic things to uh, uh, excite <laughs> your your activities in the bedroom. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you, oh, boy. You, you, you go to adamandeve.com. If you buy one item, yep. you get it at 50% off. Right. They're going to throw in three free adult DVDs. And these aren't you know just crap from the scrap bin. No, this these are your favorite you, Brewing Network no. professionals. They're Nava quality. She, <laughs> yes, you choose right. them. Right. Yeah. This, stuff, this is stuff she would look at. You can get the three free adult DVDs. You're going to get a free extra gift. So sensual. I, I really can't <laughs> you tell can't you about it. You can't even talk I'd, about it. I'd, I'd <laughs> turn red if I was to talk about it. And then you're going to get free shipping on top of that. So yeah. what you do is you go to the uh, Adam and Eve, you go to the brewingnetwork.com, you listen to us, and then you go to adamandeve.com. Yeah. You, at checkout, use the code word Jamel, J-A-M-I-L. Right. And you're going to get the, free 50, uh, the 50% off of the one item you buy. You're going to get three free adult DVDs. You're going to get the free extra gift and free shipping on top of the whole thing. Coupon code Jamil. Yes. Coupon code Jamil. J-A-M-I-L. And it helps the Brewing Network help you, believe it or not. As fun as it is to do those ads, it really does help the Brewing Network help you. And we're helping you, if you think about it. If if you're not doing it enough. If you're not doing uh, it enough, uh, uh, (laughs) Perfect. we should talk to you. Or, you know, email Neva. (laughs) (laughs) Whichever, yeah. We We should talk to John Blickman about doing free... DVDs. <laughs> yeah. Three free Three Blickman free DVDs. DVDs. Yeah. Yeah. An extra geeky gift. So awesome. geeky we can't mention on the air. Awesome. Yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> so beer geeky we can't even talk about. Uh, I love it. Okay. Well, we are just about out of time. Uh, Sean, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. It's awesome. While you're to di- start the CBC. Yeah, I think so too. I'm happy to, to be here starting it with you guys. If you're down in San Diego for the Craft Brewers Conference, you can go to Coronado Brewing Company all week long and uh, and taste the beers that we're talking about. And I think you'll find uh, it to be a, a fantastic use of liquid yeast. So if you're curious Three. about the difference, then you can you can check it out. I know it's a destination for a lot of people coming to town. Absolutely. Uh, White Labs must have a ton of events going on this week. You can come to the tasting room right here uh, mm-hmm. all week long, as White uh, like to say. They're, they're open 24 hours, I think you said, right, Jamil? Oh, yeah, 24. Mm-hmm. 24-7. 24/7. Yeah. Chris's office is open. Right. <laughs> so, 24-7. But you guys also will be on the floor at the Crappers Conference? We'll be on the floor at the conference Thursday and Friday. Okay. Mm-hmm. In the Brew Expo America? Yes. Okay. Um, and then there are, uh, you know, Jamil and Heretic, they're going to be running around the conference the whole time. You can find Jamil and John Palmer both at the right. opening ceremony tonight at the San Diego Zoo. And then they're here all week. Uh, you going to try to go to seminars and things like that? Oh, yeah. You too? Yeah. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. It's a valuable part for me. Right. Come to my seminar. Okay. What are you doing, Neva? <laughs> she winked at me. Did you Trouble see that? shooting fermentation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Saturday. is that right? Uh-huh. Perfect. Awesome. Okay, cool. And and John Palmer uh, is working at the Five Star booth, right? Right. Yeah, I'll be there and uh, talking about Five Star and all the different products they offer. You're their consultant now. A consultant for them? A consultant, yes. I like that. Yeah. Palmer's a brainiac. He needs to put that brain to use now that he's just <laughs> hanging out with the kids. You know, you got to get out there and do some, some uh, chemistry work with those well, Five Star guys. I'll see what I can do. All right. It's good. Uh, you see his logo, Jamil? Is yes, this, I did. It's his self-portrait? Uh, it's actually uh, Yusuf from uh, Bellis Point. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very strong consultant on your, uh, on your chest there. 
Palmer. It's very it's fancy stuff. All right, you can check all this out in the Brewing Network. We'll put this stuff up in the podcast so that you can find it. Come check out Coronado Brewing Company. And, um, well, some good Brew Strongs, you guys. Yeah, I think these are, if nothing else, fun. Yeah. yeah. We, should, we really should come back down and do some more beer tastings and use comparisons and so on. So we should drink more beer. Mm-hmm. We should hang out in San Diego, well, yeah. especially at the White Labs uh, World Headquarters. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. get Bistro a massage in the bathroom. <laughs> <Yeah>. Bistro. <laughs> it's going to be really long by Friday. The White Labs Palace and <laughs> yeah. Hotel yeah. and Casino. Spa Casino. <laughs> Casino. <laughs> Sounds like Stone Brewing Company. <laughs> it does, <laughs> except a little more, a little more Chris White. If you yeah, start adding the casino go. and nice. the cigar room, <laughs> and nice. just a little more golf hardcore. Yeah. The golf yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah, yep. that's Love true. It. That's right. All right. <laughs> Country uh, club. Take us out, Jamil. All right. <laughs> so another fine show. We had uh, a lot of great guests. We did. And I think, uh, you know, one of the things uh, about this uh, kind of programming is it's free. Yes. <laughs> and if you like it to be free, I suggest going and checking out uh, many of our fine sponsors. Yeah, White Labs is one. Uh, they've been sponsored for a long time with the Marine Network. Uh our, our dear friend, Mr. John Blickman of Blickman Engineering. It's with the two M's and H's. C and B. Dot com. No, they are they're uh, truly great sponsors. So you know, check them out. Make sure you uh, tell them that you appreciate that they pay for the show, so you don't have to. And uh, if you feel in a little flush and have a, a few extra bucks to burn, I'd suggest going to the Brewing Network store. There's a lot of good stuff there. Go to thebrewingnetwork.com slash store, and you can get great shirts, hats, glassware, books, all sorts of goodies in there. Type in the code word ramen. <laughs> ramen. And uh, that way uh, Justin gets uh, uh, an extra He gets an extra chuckle out of it. Right. <laughs> So lots of good stuff there, and, uh, you know, that, again, goes to help uh, keep programming like this on the air. So, until then, Bruce Bruce Strong. Strong.